Let's go, boys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. I hope you are doing well. It's great to have your ears with me again this week. Might be your first time. Who knows? This uh, this is a podcast all about music and we drop episodes every Wednesday. Uh, this week we've got a really special guest from the Menzingers. Tom May is going to be on soon, but uh, how was your weekend? What did you get up to? Um, I love asking questions that I don't get the answers back to. <laughs> I went to the Australian Commercial Radio Awards on Saturday. Got a free ticket. I wasn't nominated, um, but I took advantage of the bar. So it was free beers, free wine, and I had a great time. Jeez, i tell you what, long though. <laughs> Awards nights, can't say I've been to many. Uh, it was a long night. It was like six hours of this person winning, this person winning, this person winning. Uh, lucky there was an after party, which I went to and uh, ended up catching the train home and nearly slept past my stop. But you get that on the big jobs. Uh, it was a good time. And a couple of my friends won some awards. Dave Dolan out there. Good on you, man. He runs a local news team just up at Newcastle. Uh, and some other people I work with, um, Sammy, she got across the line with her team at iHeartRadio. Um, it was, it was great watching friends do well and who knows, maybe one day I'll get nominated. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've tried a few years, but, but no good. Anyways, like I said, at the top of this intro, Tom May, the guitarist, co-songwriter and singer of the Menzingers. They are a band from Philadelphia. They've been around for a while now. They've released seven studio albums. The latest actually just came out on Friday. So it's really special to be able to talk to Tom right now in this this week, you know, when the buzz is happening, that feeling he must have right now, even though it's, you know, seven records in, he's still just so, so chipper to be doing this still, playing music, writing songs and playing in a band with his friends. We have a, a good chat, actually. I really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, we speak about, obviously, the record. We talk about the other releases that they've had and, you know, what it's like trying to top each of them. Uh, it's been a big year for Tom. He got married in the last year, so we have a chat about that. He's got a podcast of his own as well, so that also gets a mention. And i tell you what, the last time I saw the Menzingers play was one of the last dates that they did in Australia. It was two nights before Australia went into lockdown the first time. So it was in March 2020 and there I was with a few friends and we were, I remember it clearly. And it's so weird to look back on these days and just think because we, we're so far past that now. But looking back, it's just wild to think that we had these tickets for this gig on the Friday night. It was at the uh, at the theatre in Marrickville and we were all standing there. Everyone was jumping around and having a really, really good time. But I know that there was a lot of us, like the, the virus was already here in Australia and we were just looking around at each other going, this is our last gig for a long time. The Prime Minister's going to shut up shop. And it was the next morning that the PM jumps on the TV and said, hey, we're, we're shutting down. And Tom talks about, you know, where he was. I think they were on their way to Melbourne when the PM jumped up and said, hey, Australia's uh, borders are closing and they had to get out. 
Uh, and obviously there were more fights put on at the time. And Tom explains the chaos of that period. I'm sure you all know exactly what I'm talking about. And we also talk about UFOs and aliens. Tom is a, what do you want to say? A big fan of aliens or he's a, he's a fanatic when it comes to it. He, he's researched for 20 years. He's not just a, a late bloomer. He's been researching for a very long time. So look, I'm a bit of a skeptic. I admit that in this interview, but uh, Tom has good reason to believe there is plenty more out there. So all of that and more coming up in this episode. Let's head to Philly. This is Tom May co-singer-songwriter of the band The Men Singers. Hey, I'm good. Super. Sorry about that. I, uh, That's all right. These... Yeah, we fucked the times up pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> and I missed realized I missed it like way over an hour ago. And I emailed everybody and was like, yeah, like the shit got shifted around the calendar. And he said you were still here. So I uh, ran up here and jumped on there. So, so fucking sorry about that. That's all right, man. Different time zones. There's uh, there's daylight saving and all that shit in Australia. So there's uh, there's a <laughs> it's fine, mate. How are you going? Oh, I'm great. Uh, the baseball team here in Philadelphia, the Phillies, are in the uh, basically the championship of their division that started today. So everybody's really excited about that, and they just hit a home run on the first pitch. So it's it's pretty fucking sick. Unreal. You got baseball. You got NFL over there. Is baseball your main? Is that your number one? No, I like uh, the NFL more. Uh, okay. I might like baseball more, but there's like a hundred and fucking fifty games. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's a like lot. The basketball, to, to... right? The basketball is the same. Yeah, there's it's so many basketball games. I, I can't. I couldn't even tell you when the basketball season is because it's just like all the time. It's just always happening, just constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Man, I'm so glad that uh, I get to chat to you, especially in this week, because the seventh studio album's out. And what a time, what a time to be alive. How do you feel? Uh, incredible. It came out on Friday. It is now Monday. So it's been four days of texts from people from my past and my friends now and everyone, it seems to be really excited. And we worked on it for so long and it feels uh, unreal to have, uh, you know, that lifted off the shoulders. And it's not even that thing, you know, how sometimes when you're waiting for so long for something to happen, like you're planning a fucking party or something, and then you get like a little bit sad when it's over. This yeah. is get to put it out and we just get to live it for the next like year and a half. So obviously you've got some, uh, some tours booked in and whatnot. Um, let's talk about the record and um, the process, I suppose, you know, how long you've been working on it for. I'm sure it was a pandemic album. Was it? Kind of. Yeah. We one said one thing over and over again, and that was that we didn't want to make a pandemic record, but that's yeah. impossible to not incorporate such a massive, uh, shared experience into into what you're doing over that time so yeah we, we worked on it for a couple of years loosely writing it but we kind of function best when we get a deadline and we buckle down and, and work on it so we have a studio up in uh, the the kensington neighborhood in scranton or sorry in philadelphia jesus christ i lived in philadelphia for 15 years so fuck that up. <laughs> um and we went in every day together the four of us in a box and worked on the record for a couple of months and then we went down and visited the producer brad cook at his home studio or his, his studio in north carolina and did a little bit of pre-production and then we went home for a month or two and did it again every day with a new perspective and a new vocabulary to, to describe the record and then we actually recorded the entire thing plus two more songs um in two weeks which is wow. for reference the record before that took us six weeks to do record before that took five weeks to do so we got this thing done with pre-production in like two and a half weeks so 
it was a it was a whirlwind for us in that regard. Incredible. When I first heard after the party, I thought, how are they ever going to beat this? And then <laughs> and then I heard Hello Exile. And I was like, how are they going to, okay, they have beaten it. How are they going to beat this? And I'm getting a similar <laughs> feeling with this, with this record as well. It's incredible to think after so many records, you can still be punching out such quality and beating the one before. It's scary. You know, how many people do that? Uh, you, you know, there, there's definitely detractors to the record and everyone, you can't be in the same position in your life when you see this a certain movie or mm. um, hear a record and experience it the same way. So I think a lot of times when people are be, will come and say like, oh, well, I like that record. And it's like, well, yeah, that came out when you were at that time in your life and that's the way it's going to stick. But we we're fortunate enough to people still like coming, seeing our band and people still like the record, you know, this new record that we put out. And it is really scary because like, you know, there's got to be some fucking duds in there if you're going to make seven records. Um, but we feel like we've grown as songwriters and with our own lives as we put each one out. So yeah, we're really excited that it's been received this way. Brad Cook, as you mentioned before, he worked on the record. You recorded it in Texas over the two week period. I've heard you say, not just musically, but you learn a lot from Brad just in life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we try to, starting to, as I get older, realize that a lot of experiences are accumulative. And what I mean by that is you can learn how to fix a car engine and then you learn how to chop down a tree. But in reality, there's parts of those things that connect to each other and certain kind of truths and wisdom that you can tease out after doing it for this long. And Brad is a, a, a brilliant human being and he's a huge personality and he's a, a wonderful, wonderful person. And we learned a lot about working together and trusting certain things that we normally wouldn't have trusted in the past. We wouldn't have recorded a live record in the past. Um, we weren't good enough to at that time. I think we've been playing with each other long enough to where we could pull that off as long as we don't, you know, start playing jazz or something. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, we learned a lot about how to work with each other and a bit about an approach to songwriting from Brad. And, you know, some of those things trickled to, into life. Um, when you get to seven records in, I suppose you start thinking, what sort of record are we going to make? Or um, are we going to change things up a little bit? What are you hearing from this record that you haven't done before? So the live aspects and yep. the, I'll call it stripped down. So typically when we recorded records, we would do a lot of um, layering of guitars or playing the same thing and learn, you know, using different stereo effects and, layering almost like sub-perceptible harmonies and things like that. And we made great records that way. And on this record, what we did was not that. So there's, you know, at most there's three guitars on each um, song. And there's a little bit of like little pads and stuff that we put underneath. But for the most part, each thing is existing in its own space and it's not really bogged down. So that would be the main sonic difference on this record. And then the other part would be, you know, as much as we want to get intentional about what well, we're not building a house, you know, we don't like look at blueprints uh, and build it. So when we start writing a record, we don't really come in with a, a very coherent sense of this record is going to be a story about two people riding a train across the United States in 1970. That's like not going to do conceptually like that. So we kind of start to tease out the themes and the over um arching you know not narrative but just like what the record is uh as it's going so we were a little bit more intentional on this one though because we've gotten older and we developed what i like to you know what, what is essentially is a vocabulary like we know what certain things mean when we say them to each other 
And we would talk more conceptually about that on this record than we did on some records in the past. So we really kind of went in and it went into many shapes. Originally we went in, we were like, we're going to make a 10 song punk record. That's what we're doing. We've been locked up. We Everyone wants to get out and just, you know, come out swinging. And um, this one didn't stay that way, but a part of that spirit still lived within it as we were doing it. And then this is, this is where we got. Greg and you are, are the songwriters. Does anyone get disheartened if, if their song doesn't make it to the record? I know on, on the last record, I think, uh, Greg had a few more songs, right? How do you go with that sort of thing? Obviously, two songwriters, uh, two different styles of singing. Do you just write songs together? Yeah. So on this record, we wrote the four of us. We, we, we always write the songs together. So there'll be, okay. you know, I'll bring the bones of a song or Greg will bring the bones of a song to um, practice. And then the four of us work on it and hammer it until it until all the impurities are gone, like a blacksmith's so all whacking the fucking thing over and over again. <laughs> um, we... On this one, the four of us were more involved than ever before. So we were really more into sharing the lyrics and the themes and kind of working on them together. Uh, there was one thing you mentioned in the, I think the beginning of the question, is it disheartening when your song doesn't make the record? Yeah. <laughs> if you is have it, yeah. a song that you're working on and you, uh, or if it doesn't get recorded and it dies on the, on the, on the operating table or whatever, you have this thing stuck in your head that you've fallen in love with and you sing it over and over yeah. again. And it's like decorating your life. And uh, to have someone else not like it or for it to get tossed or, you know, that can be extremely, I don't know if disheartening, it's devastating, but not necessarily mm. disheartening because we know that we're going to end up in, a, in another place. So you always have to put the record and the songs as a unit yep. above everything else. So like, you know, I have always, I've written so much fucking bullshit for this record that didn't make it. <laughs> um, and I loved it. But, yeah. you know, it has to be the representation of the four of us. And that's because that's what this band is, um, is is that. So, yeah, totally. <laughs> I was talking to a, a singer. He's got two singers in his band as well. They're called the Hard Ons. They're an Aussie punk band. They've been around for 40 years, right? Wow, and they, that's and amazing. These two guys, yeah, these two guys have been in the same band. But, like, uh, he'll bring in a song and then um, the guys will sort of be quiet when he plays it. And then one of them will try and nicely say to him, hey, um, do you need any more for your solo record? <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying That's the same thing. He's like, he's like, when you love a song and you've written it all about your life and then like some other people don't really see it. Oh, totally. I'm glad that they have like a, a funny, cheeky approach to it because that's you get how you have to stay. You can't be, I mean, we've all worked with creative people our whole lives. We've seen so many other people in bands that, you know, where it's like, Oh, you don't like my idea? Well, my idea? Well, fuck you, you know? And then you're just like, oh, well, that's not going to get anybody anywhere. It's not how you work together to accomplish a goal. It's not going to work out. Yeah, yeah. Especially if somebody doesn't like it because they're like in a bad mood or yeah. I can, I will, the band member will stay nameless forever. But I remember showing a song that eventually did become one of our, our, you know, one of our favorite songs, one of our fan favorite songs that when I first showed it, they were all hungover and shit. And I was like, I know you're hungover and that's why you're being a fucking little baby right now. Uh, and that's, song? Uh, I'm not going to say, cause they're going to know. So they'll uh, know and I'm telling the story. So okay. some <laughs> things should remain secret. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, big year for you away from the music. You got married. Yeah. I got married a year ago. Yeah. Uh, it was just our, our first anniversary. It was a uh, uh, awesome. Thank you so much. It was been a, it's been a hell of a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I got married uh, about a about a month ago. It's funny, actually. This congrats. Is... <laughs> Thanks, man. Just before uh, I was jumping on the Zoom call with you, I looked at your Instagram page and I saw your wedding shot, and I have the exact same wedding shot. I got my arm up like this, and uh, and, <laughs> there. and I was like, of that's course. funny. 
And then I, I, I saw your record player. We got the same record player. And then oh, I, no saw the, <laughs> yeah. I saw the deluxe reverb amp and I'm like, I've got one of them. And then do you have a dog called George? Jameson. Oh, okay. Close. Yeah, close. Yeah. All right. I thought it was George. I was like, oh my God, we've got all the same stuff. Not the same. Yeah, women, right. But... That's very wild. <laughs> no, that's the same. <laughs> yeah, my wife. Uh, so I was, you know, uh, over an hour late for this. My wife uh, is a music journalist and that's actually how we met. There so when she came in the door and she was like, what about those interviews? And realized that I'd had the wrong time. She was fucking pissed that I was late. So <laughs> so, so she wrote for a, a magazine or something like that? Yeah, she was an editor for a music magazine. And uh, that, was, that was how we met. Incredible. There you go. Hey, the only impossible pass, you did some demos of that. How were they recorded? What what did you use to record them? And this is obviously going back a long yeah, time. Yeah, no, I remember. We used, we had an old Tascam or Boss hardware HDD, yes. like eight track recorder when those were really popular. Um, we used one of those to do most of it. And I also bought, oh man, I had this like I did this class thing so long ago. This was probably 16 or 17, 15 years ago, at least. Uh, it was longer than that, but I had a, 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 a learned how to build a PC and I bought a PCI card that had like an XLR um, analog to digital converter on it. And I believe I recorded one of the the demos on that old PC with just the, mm-hmm. the XLR input on it. So and into like Audacity or maybe Cubase. Right. I think that's what I used to do that. But the majority of it we did on um one of those eight track recorder things which we actually we were going to possibly give to the punk rock museum in las vegas and we might give them that because we still have it lying around it's fried but uh and then i I love the tascam thing i just i used to have yeah they're awesome right yeah and then i I upgraded to a zoom mrs8 of course they're so cool and they did i don't know if it was the same for you but they teach you the art of recording you know like you can't just go back and quantize and do this or that. You've got to be bang on if you're recording on those things. You learn exactly. Totally. There's actually recently after he did this record, I've reverted back to I'd call a lot more dollless stuff. So not using the computer because cool. I got sick and tired of just like watching YouTube tutorials and getting distracted. Uh, and I started to use another Zoom multi-track recorder and I started to use an OP1 and an MPC Live that have like multi-tracking functionality on them. And it is back to that tactile. And also you got to get it right or you, you can't That's just it. quantize it. You can't just like uh, nudge the transients, you know, you yeah, got to get digital. Although it's digital, yeah. you're still like it's still like you're recording the tape in a way. I mean, yeah. exactly. Yeah, totally. It's funny because like reach back to I don't know how long that tactile trend will will last but it definitely something feels a little bit less heavy about it i like it yeah hey i was at your last gig in sydney australia and this is you'd have to remember this gig because uh the world just completely changed after that gig i think you flew home (laughs) within that yeah remember that melbourne was the last one after that yeah um but yeah that was when the, the the pm came on tv and said no more after tomorrow, which I think was like mm. a Saturday and we were playing on a Friday, was like no more events with more than an arbitrary number of people, 300 people or something. And we were like, OK, yeah. well, the rest of the tour is canceled and uh, we're stuck here. We had to get like some of the last coach tickets that were I mean, they kept having flights go. But the next day was the last one that we were able to grab a flight home. And then we got into 
LAX and we've not been back to Australia since, but that was a surreal trip, man. When everything was, we got on the phone the day before that tour started. Long story short, I had some like information uh, that I believed I was like, guys, this, this is a bad idea. Should not go. It's, you know, the different, what the financial world was saying and what some other people were saying. And we, we got in a big fight on the phone and our booking agent, whom I love to death, our international booking agent, who's actually spent a lot of time in Australia. He's from Australia. Hmm. Um, he was like, no, it's going to be okay. They're not closing any of these festivals. It's not a big deal. It's going to be totally fine. And we were like, yeah, okay, buddy. And then we got here and um, the cultural kind of interpretation of the virus at that time when we were in Australia was taken a lot less seriously than it was in the United States. Um, and I forget one thought of like the way that people talk about it as well as like to whose agenda it was, was, was also flipped politically. I forget what, it was a whole thing. But by the time we left, everybody was like, holy shit. <laughs> oh man, we went it's into lockdown. Down. We went into <laughs> yeah, you lockdown guys, a few you guys days went fucking that. hard, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was so bad. So I think I must have caught you guys on the Friday night in Sydney. I remember being in the crowd and it was still cool because everyone knew that this virus was here, but everyone was still jumping around and having such a sick time. And um, and yeah. I know you guys had just released that record. It was everyone was feeling good, but there was definitely between my friends and I, it was like, this is our last gig for a long time. <laughs> we, we just knew it, but at least we went out with a bang. It was a yeah, hell time. yeah. Totally. Yeah, I can't wait fun. to come back. We don't have any uh, dates. We're looking at when we will be back right now. Uh, right. I don't know. We, I'm not, we haven't decided the exact time, but it will be. You know, We're going back. And it really was such a weird fucking situation mm. we're leaving. That was wild. Well, times have changed, and I'm, and I'm stoked that they have because hopefully we can get you guys back here. It'll be great. Hey, you've got a podcast yeah. yourself. I do. Yeah, it's a hobby for me. I really enjoy it. Um, it's called Future Friday, and I just – interview other musicians and people who work in the music industry. And I've interviewed some UFO researchers and I uh, focus a, a little bit more in that world, the UAP world. All right, let's, let's talk UFOs. You've been uh, there all day. How much you? time you got? Uh, yeah, I did. I went there if you want made a podcast episode about it. I dragged my wife there during COVID. We went so you, you know, there was like, it wasn't the way for you guys, maybe with lockdowns, but for us, it was, you know, the United States is like 53rd world countries in a fucking trench coat trying to get yeah. into the movies. <laughs> so it, uh, each place has their own rules. Uh, the way that the cases were surging and falling varied all over the, the country at different times. And we uh, went to Las Vegas for a friend's wedding right when things had opened mm -hmm. up. And uh, during that time, I dragged her all the way to Area 51, made her drive up there with me. It was, yeah, it was fucking wild. There's never been more talk about aliens than right now in 2023. I mean, it's it's ramped up the last year, hasn't it? It has. It really has. There's actually an Australian um, journalist named Ross Coulthard who was uh, a host of or just a journalist on the Australian 60 Minutes. But he wrote a book called In Plain Sight that has a lot to do with one of the um, communication centers that the U.S. military ran in deep in Western Australia and some cases that had happened there. But, yeah, there's been so much that's happened in 2023. We've had multiple hearings in the United States in the last two years. Um, the conversation – I mean, I've been researching this subject for 20 years now. Yeah. And uh, watching the way that the public conversation has changed – is some a day that I never thought I would see. I really never thought this would come, and and here it is. It's pretty wild. And a lot of it was Tom DeLong, wasn't it? It's funny he was banging on it publicly for a long time, straight and up, no fucking joke. A lot of it was literally him in an organization that he started. Yeah, and everyone thought he was crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah, everyone yeah. thought he was crazy, and everyone around him thought he was crazy. And his books, he wrote, uh, he like co-wrote two novels, and then there, I think there's two and a third coming out of nonfiction books about the subject, and they're amazing, <laughs> incredible yeah. books. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. go, Tom. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on the Street Press podcast. It's going to be Thank great. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. No worries. Thanks man. for asking about aliens too. I didn't talk about that all fucking day. <laughs> did not did not enough people ask you about aliens? No, not enough. I'd say it does come up a lot, but definitely not enough. That's a- <laughs> Look, I'd say I'm still like uh, in the middle, more probably a bit of a skeptic, but I mean I'm open to knowing if there's something else out there and have they visited. Sure, that's the funny part is like you know the way that that conversation is changing as well. It's like, is it aliens from another planet? Yeah, I mean, nobody said that, you know, who knows? All we know is that we literally the onus of responsibility is flipped to now disprove the existence of UFOs rather than to prove them. So you have everyone from Barack Obama to foreign ministers of defense in Canada to multiple astronauts to all these people in the United States who are like, yes, there are things flying around in the air. We don't know what they are. Here's the evidence of it. Here's what we've researched. This part's classified. This one's not. And everybody's just like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, I so, suppose it's, yeah, when they start being a bit coy about information and they're holding information back, that definitely gets the public on the side of like, why are you doing that? Yeah, exactly. Shit is, shit is wild and it is not new. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, Tom, thanks so much for your time, mate. Take it easy. Uh, hopefully catch you when you come out here back to Sydney. This time, no more pandemics, eh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No fucking pandemic this time. We're not dealing with that shit. Yeah, lovely guy. That is Tom May. He shares the singing duties in the Menzingers with Greg Barnett. Go and check him out if you haven't already. A couple of episodes ago when I didn't have uh, someone on the podcast, I just did like a mashup of my five favorite songs. Uh, their their song, their, one of their latest songs, There's No Place in This World for Me, was my top pick for this year um, and go and check out their new record it's called some of it was true you'll uh, you'll love it and go back through their back catalog i know i'm telling you to do a lot of things right now but um I, i'm sure that if you if you love a bit of punk rock you're gonna love the menzingers if you haven't listened to them yet all right it's time for this letters. yes this is the part of the show where you can write on in go to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters or you can just click in the show notes there's a link there where you can just write into the show. Anything you write might be read out by me, potentially, depending on what you say. Um, this one's from Jared James Tasker. He says, oh, this is about that episode that I was just talking about. The um, See, I don't like doing episodes. How do I put this? I don't mind doing episodes where there's no guest on, but I find it uh, a bit of a challenge to do. And I much prefer having a guest every week. And James actually listened to the episode where I had no one on, and he said, great episode. You totally should put together a playlist. That's a good idea. I have thought about that. Maybe I could do a playlist of all the bands that I've had on here and maybe their top two songs or something like that. Uh, I do make playlists, but uh, I haven't done one for the street press, so I will keep that in mind, Jared. Um, thank you for writing in. Also, last week's episode, I tell you what, got a few hits. And as you know, I don't really talk about that sort of stuff on here. Um, keep that private because I'm bomb. Um, <laughs> but last week's episode didn't bomb. It did really, really well. I'd say it's probably one of the 
you know, highest ranking episodes that I've done this year. It was, of course, with Will Wagner from the Smith Street Band. I had him on here and uh, they were sharing it left, right and centre, which I, you know, I'm appreciative of. I don't force people to share the stuff. All I want to do is chat to artists. But if they want to do a little bit of promo for the Street Press podcast, I'm not going to say no. But uh, Robbie Boyle, he said, hey, that brief mention in that episode of a tour to Europe has got me way too excited. So, uh, so Robbie's obviously living over there in Europe somewhere and he's a big fan of the Smith Street Band. Um, thank you for writing in, Robbie. All right, so if you just want to click the show notes, you can uh, write to the Street Press. You can write to me. It's always nice to get these things as well. It's always nice to know who's listening, where they're from, that sort of thing, because uh, I'm in the front bedroom of my house doing these podcasts, and you just never know who's out there. Is there anyone? Just like Tom. And the aliens, you never know. You never know what's out there. All right, my band, the Ritzy Kids, uh, we have got a gig coming up. It's actually uh, it's a month today. So it is the 18th of November. We are supporting you and I at Everglades in Woi Woi. You can grab your tickets at theritzykids.com. Check out the band as well. And also, we are sort of in the running to play at Good Things Festival this year. We would love to. Uh, it would be an absolute dream of ours to do that. They've given us this link where people can vote for us. So if you wanted to do something kind today, you could vote for the Ritzy Kids to play at Good Things Festival. That link is also in the show notes as well. Um, I think what you've got to do is you've got to pick three bands that you want to see play at the festival. Make sure when you do that, you put the Ritzy Kids in there. We would be uh, absolutely chuffed if you did that. And don't forget, if you like what I'm doing, you can sign up as a member for as little as $4 a month. That's not a week, a month. And I'm going to send you out a mug. <laughs> I'll send out a mug to your address with the Street Press podcast on it. And you can drink whatever you want out of it. Coffee, whiskey, whatever you want. That link is below the show notes as well. Everything's below the show notes. Just remember that. Hey, I think I've done enough rambling for today. I want to have your ears here same time next week. Until then, ta-da. Ta-da.